That was great. We're just going to go into a time of um, a few different talks uh, where a few of the mums are going to share about their journey as being a mum. And our first talk <laughs> is from our lovely Mel. <laughs> Morning, church. If you didn't know or haven't previously seen me at church, frantically chasing after or trying to keep my children all in one place, I have four children, Rihanna, who's 14, Grace, who's nine, Sophie, who's seven, and Pepper, who's four. You think when you have children that they're all going to be similar in some way. And so when you find out what works for one, you think it'll be the same throughout, and it'll be a breeze if you have any more. So when you do decide to have more, and the next child comes along, because you've already figured out how to do things, navigate certain situations like bedtime or tantrums, or how old they should be when they get their first phone, you think you're well prepared. But then your children turn out to be completely different and you feel like you're back at the beginning, figuring things out all over again. And you're like that first time mum again. That has clearly been the case for me as mine are all very different. From being totally girly and loving clothes to love being outside and getting stuck into the world to being able to communicate how they feel and tell you what's going on inside to them not telling you anything. It's being a detective experience, figuring them all out. There's a great book called The Five Love Languages for Children. It's all about how you can love your child in the best way and what they respond to individually, like physical affection, acts of service, time spent together, etc. And how when you understand their love language, you can love and communicate to them in a way that they need. I found that there are many emotions you face and feel as a mum, from joy, pride, happiness, to anxiety, fear, worry and stress. If I'm being completely honest, there are days when I just want to stay in bed, hide under the cover and not be a parent for one day. To have one day of waking up to quiet and not screaming. One day to sit and enjoy a quiet cup of tea or have a conversation without being interrupted 20,000 times. But I know for me that day will come. Like all seasons, they change. And it will be sooner than I expect. And I may, even though I can't imagine it now, long for the days where they come into your room at the break of dawn and put their cold feet onto you to wake you up. I can see it already happening with my eldest, where she will refuse a hug from me. So I sneak up behind her and give her one anyway and she'll probably hate me for saying that. I feel like sometimes I do focus a lot of my thoughts on what's hard and difficult being a mum, so I thought this would be a good opportunity to take the time to focus on what's good about being a mum. I've noticed during my time as a mum that they are always so forgiving, whether you've shouted at them or got cross at them, sometimes for no reason. It might have just been you were having a bad day, but they are very quick to forget and love you the same as before, even more. Holding their little hands in yours is so precious, and I loved doing this with mine when they were babies. The hugs, now not all of mine love hugs, but my younger two do, and they will always come up and give you a hug, whatever you're doing. When they get to the stage where they know how to turn on the TV, and you can have a lion, that's one of my favorites. When they know you're having a grown-up meal to celebrate an anniversary or a birthday and they offer to do your hair and makeup for you. And the moments that fill you with such proudness, like learning how to ride their bike 
or learning to say mama for the first time, or overcoming something that was a challenge for them. It fills you with a sense of joy knowing that you taught them something and helped them to achieve what they set out to do. You were able to encourage or advise and it makes you feel you've imparted on them some sort of wisdom. Of course, with the good, there are things that are difficult too, like lots of sleepless nights, and there are many of those, where you're waking up in the night comforting those who've had bad dreams or just not been able to sleep. I can remember when they were young babies and you'd finally get them to sleep in your arms and then you would have to then slowly transfer them into the cot and try and creep out the room before they woke up. And for some reason, there would always be that creaky floorboard that you would step on and you frantically turn around hoping and praying that they hadn't woke up. I'm glad we've moved on from that stage. We're currently now at the stage of mummy being a referee in the argument of who had it first scenario or it wasn't me, she did it. But my faith has anchored me as a parent and God has been my example of how to do it. To be gentle, to be forgiving of myself when I mess up and to not hold on to guilt. To be confident in my abilities as a mum, just like God is gentle with me when I mess up. How he always forgives me and how he is confident in what I'm doing. I know I often doubt myself and I think I'm not a good mum, but God reminds me how he first loved us in 1 John 4, so we then have enough love to give because he is within us. I may fail or get it wrong, but I can start over because he gives us new mercies each day and he has called me to bring up my children in the way they should go. I read a book recently called Anxious for Nothing by Max Licardo and there was a chapter in there that talked about being contagiously calm and that when you are calm, your behaviour is contagious and it then encourages others to mimic that calmness. So I've been trying this over the last few weeks instead of shouting, talking calmly, instead of getting cross, responding calmly. Again, I don't always manage to do this, but it's a good practice to have. And I'm hoping soon that they will be able to respond calmly too. For me, the most part of being a mum is challenging and hard. And it feels like you're rummaging around in the dark, trying not to stand on Lego pieces. Now, if any of you have done this before, you know what I'm talking about, and it's extremely painful. But every now and then, you find the light switch and something really great happens, like this week. One of my children has always really struggled at school with the work and generally just being there, so much that she would suffer with her sleep and she would feel so unwell. And when she heard we were going into lockdown, she was so happy as she didn't have to go to school. So we knew when we heard about them returning, that would be a big deal for her. She was very panicky and tearful and really distressed. She couldn't regulate her actions or emotions for the next few days. We did make some changes to help her, but this week it's like we've seen a different child. She's got up and got dressed, which before would never have happened. She's made her lunch for school, which she would normally refuse to do as it would remind her of school and make her feel even more anxious. And she's walked to school, which would have normally been another battle of negotiating just to get her out the front door. Now I know that God has played a massive part in that. But when things like that happen, you feel like you've done something right. 
you've done a good job and all the other stuff you got wrong before, it doesn't really matter. All the doubts you had about not being good enough, they fade away because you got something right. Happy Mother's Day. Thanks, Mel. That was absolutely brilliant. I loved your thoughts on gentleness and calmness. I always think about having four children at home. It must be sometime absolutely chaotic in your house. It's very noisy, yes. But, <laughs> but how has it been for you homeschooling? That must have been so challenging over lockdown. It was, um, yeah, it was really challenging. I had to be, had to be really organised, so I had to know what I was doing each day um, and just, yeah, just have everything set out so that it just then made it smoother in the morning brilliant absolutely amazing well done thanks we're going to go into our next talk now which is nikki toffis and she's going to be sharing a bit about her journey of adoption hi i'm about to read an extract from my journal from 2002 i have decided to believe for god to provide us with a child naturally have asked god for the gift of faith to believe for this this was written about seven years into trying for a baby We'd done three IVFs at this point and each was unsuccessful. So I was at that point where I was thinking if the medics can't help, then maybe it's going to be a miracle of God. However, it was to be another five years, four more IVFs and several thousands of pounds later before we were to see a miracle from God. And it was not the miracle we were expecting. Paul and I come from a culture that means as soon after you were married, you're expected to start a family. My siblings and cousins all had children within two years of getting married. So when the years began to go by, we were then being asked constantly, when are you going to have children? Why have you not had children? As if it was our choice entirely and we were depriving the family of their right. It was not help and friends whom we would pray for were becoming pregnant. This began a process of what was many painful and heart-wrenching years of trying for a baby Each IVF, seven in total, was so difficult, not just physically and mentally, but the anticipation and hope you put into waiting for the result is awful. There's this two-week waiting period that determines whether it's been successful or not, and it's excruciating. The added pressure of family and friends who were praying for us and supporting us, waiting to hear, made it especially hard, for you felt that you were disappointing them with each negative result. I was very aware that what we were going through was painful too for those who loved us and wanted this for us. My mum would always cry with me whenever an IVF failed. During this very long process, I would hang on to the examples of women in the Bible, women who had trouble conceiving, women like Hannah, Sarah, Elizabeth, Sarah and especially Sarah and Elizabeth especially, as they were not young. And as each IVF failed, my eggs and I were not getting any younger either. I would quote scriptures to myself that gave me hope, such as the one when Lazarus has died and Jesus says to Mary just before he raises him from the dead, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? If God can raise someone from the dead, he can give me a baby, right? And another scripture I would comfort myself with was, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37 verse 4. So I kept in my heart that God would fill this desire for me, for us. However, after our last attempt failed, the fertility doctor said, I'm sorry, but you will never conceive your own baby. Then all that hope I had held on to and the dreams of becoming a birth mother 
came crashing down. It was a very dark period and I had to grieve for what I wasn't to have. I had to grieve for the loss of every failed IVF and for the loss and reality of never becoming a mother. I went to see a Christian counsellor at that time who worked through this with me. It was really helpful. Paul and I had never seriously talked about the possibility of adoption, although many had suggested it. We always felt that we should do everything possible to conceive. But all of a sudden, these coincidences started occurring. I bumped into an old friend who'd just adopted a little girl. I was out walking one day when I picked up a leaflet on the floor, which was a flyer about adoption. And I was flicking through the TV and came across a programme on adoption. So after much discussion, we began to think about adoption as possibly being the next step in our quest to have a child and looked into it, decided to apply to become adopters. Our adoption process is another story in itself. But just to say we was fast tracked through a process that usually takes six months to two years. Ours took only three months as our social worker had a hidden agenda. As soon as we were approved, she showed us a picture of a baby who had come into the system around the same time as us. This was good timing or God's timing. The baby was half Cypriot and at the time you were only matched up with a child who had a similar ethnicity to you. And she was only six months old, which if anyone knows anything about adoption, babies are really hard to come by. I remember seeing this video of her. She was bouncing and really happy. She had this unruly mop of red hair. We met with her a few times um, until she came to live with us three months later and was legally adopted a few months after that. This was our miracle. This was the answer to our longed for child. She was and is perfect for us and we for her. She completed our family and I can't tell you what a blessing she is. Many people would say to us how lucky she is to have come into our family, especially as the neglect of her birth parents doesn't bear thinking about. But I think we're the lucky ones because she turned us into a family with all the joy that comes with that. Louisa is 13 now, tall with long red hair. She's creative, funny, loving and a real blessing. I don't know why God chose to take us the long and painful route to having a child, but I've learned with this and many other things in the Christian walk that it's not by sight but by faith that we see the answer to our prayers and that the waiting process is invaluable. Joyce Meyer says that God is never late, but he won't be early either. And in that waiting period, our faith is being stretched. The definition of wait is to remain in a state which you expect or hope that something will happen. That's not to say we do nothing while we wait, but it is an expectant, hopeful attitude, a stance of standing firm in faith for what God has promised. Luke 1 verse 45 said, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfil his promises to her. It was in the painful waiting that my faith grew deeper that I learned compassion, that I learned to rely on God. And though I and we might go through the refiner's fire while we wait, God is always faithful. And because his answer to our prayers might not be what we expect, the answer can still be beautiful and full of blessing. You might be waiting for a child, a partner, salvation for a loved one, healing or something else. We're all waiting for something at some time. We're all waiting for the pandemic to end. 
God may not answer your prayer in the way you expect, but I implore you, hang on to God's promises. Don't give up. Never give up. Because just as he said to Mary and to me, did I not say, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Thank you, Nikki. That was so good, wasn't it? Really good. And uh, we're very aware, actually, of um, some of you may have lost children or miscarried. And we wanted to inform you about a special service that's happening online tonight at 8 o'clock. Uh, you can visit at onlinesayinggoodbye.org. That's onlinesayinggoodbye.org. And that address will be in the email we sent out on Church News. So if you're kind of in a situation where you would love to attend a service, just to uh, a service of remembrance, really, uh, remembering children that have gone. And uh, they call it on about running on ahead so don't think about it as a loss I think about children running on ahead of us so that's a service eight o'clock tonight online that's great yeah real great opportunity that if you know if that is something that you're struggling with or, or suffering with then you know there's a place for you to to go uh, we're, we're going to be going into our final talk now and it's uh, Vic Joyner who's talking about empty nesting Good morning everybody and happy Mother's Day to you and I'm so excited to be able to talk about my own experience as a mum. So I'm going to be talking about letting go which is really hard to do as a mum and when I was a kid it was always my dream to be a mum, it was all I ever wanted. I grew up in a really large family and what I wanted was a really large family so I was really excited about that. And when I had my children, I have to say, I always, when they were all little and I used to have them gathered around me, it was really hard work. But I used to think, these are the best days of my life. I absolutely loved it. And I couldn't have wished for anything better. But then they grew up. And as they began to grow up, I began to realise how fleeting it actually is that the time you have with your children does actually end at some point when they leave home. And there was one particular summer when I had three of my four children leave home. Uh, Leanna got married, uh, Eden and Tobias both went to university in the same year. So they all left home at the same time. And that was agonizing for me. You know, I had just immersed myself in being a mum. I had taken that on as my identity. That felt like my whole identity. And when three of my four children left home in one go, it was, it just felt like this huge wrench, this real tearing apart. It was so painful. And uh, I just fell apart. And I did become quite depressed. And we I remember we would go and visit them and on the way home, Loz would be chatting to me and I would fall asleep, just fall asleep. I would say to him, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> I just would completely ignore him for the two hour journey home and just sleep the whole time because that was my way of dealing with the fact that I was leaving them behind again. It was so, so hard for me. And the fact that it was three of them all at once was just so painful But over time, you know, I had to really let go of them in my heart. You know, I was letting go of them physically, but I had to let go of them in my heart. And that was really, really painful. So, you know, you adopt this identity 
to be a mum and then you have to adopt a new identity to let them go and to kind of be your own person and to do other things and it is really not an easy thing to do and I had to adopt the identity to be a mum that lets go of them really painful and you know there's a saying and it's this it hurts to let go but sometimes it hurts more to hold on and I had to reach a point where I realised that I was really holding on and I was holding on to my identity as a mum with young children around her. I was holding on to that. And actually, when we let go of stuff, that's when we can step into our new season. And that's what I had to do. I had to think, right, I'm letting go of this and I can step into the new season that God has got for me. If I'm holding on really, really tight and living in that pain, then I can't step into the next step that God has for me. And there's a verse in Isaiah, Isaiah 26 verse 3, and it says this, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. And God keeps us in perfect peace when we trust in him. It keeps our minds in perfect peace. We have to steadfastly look to God in every step of the journey. And you know what? It is hard letting go, but I have to say, they come back. So I lost three last summer, and then two came back when university ended. And they came back and lived with me. And suddenly I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this house is too crowded. I need them to go again. But, you know, one has left home since then, and I've got two at home, which is lovely. And, um, you know, they do come back. They come back in different ways. So I've got one that's home, and she's home for now, and we'll see where that leads to. And then I've got, you know, my son, and he'll ring me up, and he'll he'll say, Mum, how do you make cheese sauce? And he just wants the directions for it, because... Let's face it, I make a good cheese sauce. Uh, he'll ring up and he'll say, what was that breadcrumb you used to make? And it's his way of coming back to me. And my other daughter as well, she'll ring me up and she'll say, mum, you know when we were little, how did you deal with this situation? So in their own ways, they keep coming back to you. And you have to trust in your parenting that you have done a good enough job that when you let them go, they're going to do really well without you. And that is all you could wish for. So if you are, like me, having trouble in letting go in any area in your life, then remember that verse in Isaiah 26, verse 3 that I just read. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Let's always remember that whatever stage we are at, to trust in him. Thanks so much. Speak to you soon. Thanks, Vic. That was just great. And I must admit, I found it hard to let my kids go. And one of the hardest things for me in lockdown is I can see my children under the with re- restricted accessibility. Yeah. 
But I can't hug them. The last time I hugged my children was on the 28th of February last year. It's not the same, is it? It's, it's, not, the it's same. not the same. So I can't wait to have that big hug with them. And as, as a family as well, this time last year, we were supposed to have a wedding and that didn't happen. We tried again in September and that didn't happen. So hopefully this September we'll have a wedding. There'll be lots of hugging going on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and another person that I've been able to hug in my family is my new granddaughter that was born just before Christmas. Christmas, so that's been absolutely wonderful wow, for me. that's great. We're going to go over to our youth now who are going to be sharing a poem. You carried me in your womb and protected me long before I even took a breath. Thank you for sacrificing your body for me and being my home. You were the one that helped me take my first steps. Thank you for showing me how to stand on my own. You were the one who cared for me when I was unwell. Thank you for teaching me compassion. Thank you for teaching me how important it is to keep learning. You are the one who showed me never to judge a book by its cover. Thank you for teaching me tolerance. Thank you for being at peace with my decisions. Thank you for teaching me to believe in myself. You are the one who helped carry my broken heart. You are the one who gave me unconditional love for a lifetime. 